Good morning. Thank you for being here today and thank you for the opportunity to be together. We're so grateful for this opportunity that we have. We appreciate so much those of you who are visiting. As always, we invite you back. We're grateful to have those of you who come our way from week to week. If you are looking for a church home, we would love to have you become a part of our family. We're very grateful for the church here in Olive Branch and we pray that God will continue to bless us. We appreciate all the young people, the great things that are going on with our young folks, and hopefully and prayerfully, they will be great stewards of the church in the future. Thank you to Tim for reading our scripture today. We appreciate that so very much. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Genesis 37, the passage that was read just a moment ago. And in our lesson today, we're going to be looking at some things that I hope and pray will be of help to you. I do want to say that based on what it looks like to me, we've got a good number here and we're grateful for that. We have a number of people that are still streaming and we encourage you to continue doing that. But we're thankful for your presence today and we hope and pray that many of you will come back tonight. We'd love to have everybody back tonight. But we'll be here tonight at 6 and then again on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I want to ask you a question this morning. Matter of fact, I want to ask you a series of questions. Are you where you plan to be in life as we speak? How have things gone in your life up until this point in time in history? Many of us are planners. And many of us at a very early age began scripting where we would be at certain points in life. I talked to someone this week who said that he was talking to his boss. And the boss asked him, where do you see yourself in five years? Did you see yourself five years ago where you are now? You know, there are a lot of folks, they have scripted how life will go. And if everything goes according to the script, life is good. What happens, however, when life doesn't go according to the script? When life doesn't work out as planned? Let me ask you another question. Are you satisfied with where you are in life right now? Are you happy? Do you enjoy what the Bible says is perfect peace? Again, when life goes as planned, all is well. But what happens when life doesn't necessarily go as planned? It can be difficult. It can be really tough. Because as human beings, we want things to go our way, don't we? Do I believe that God wants us to be happy and satisfied in life? The answer is yes. Sometimes, however, things don't work out at least in our favor. So that being said, 
how do we pick up and move on? I want to call your attention to Genesis chapter 37 in our study today. In chapter 37, I want you to think with me about the reality of the difficulties that Joseph faced in his life. And as you begin to look at chapter 37, there are some things that stand out. Number one, I think about the behavior of his family. Now the text says that Joseph was the favored son of his father. He was the son of his father's old age. And if you look at the text, I don't think that there is any question that Jacob, Jacob didn't conceal his love for Joseph, didn't hide his favoritism. He was the favored son. Joseph knew it, and his brothers knew it. And so as a result of that, the text tells us they hated him, verse 4. They could not speak peaceably to him. Verse 8, they hated him. Verse 11, his brothers envied him. You see the theme here, don't you? They had no use for Joseph. And after Joseph had a dream where their sheaves bowed down to his sheaves, and he relayed that dream to them, let me tell you what, that was like throwing gasoline to the fire. So on one occasion, his father wanted him to go and check on his brothers who were feeding their flocks in Shechem. Now, Jacob and his family, they lived in the valley of Hebron. Shechem was a little less than 50 miles up the road. So Joseph makes his way to Shechem. When he gets there, he finds out the brothers have moved on. They're now about 12 or 13 miles up the road in a place called Dothan. So when Joseph enters the city and they see him, verse 18 says, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They were going to take him out. Reuben, however, intervened, and he said, let us not kill him. And so as you know, the text tells us, they threw him into a pit, and he was later sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites for silver. When you turn over to chapter, well, before we turn to chapter 39, you remember his brothers took that, coat of many colors. They dipped it in blood, took it back to their father, gave it to him, and what did he say? And what would you conclude? It's my that's, my, that's, my son's, that's my son's coat. It's got blood on it. No doubt he's dead. Gone. You turn over to chapter 39. And Jacob, he is grieving the loss of his son. In chapter 39, however, the text tells us that Joseph has been transported 
down into Egypt. In Egypt, he rises to prominence in the household of Potiphar, doesn't he? Becomes the steward over Potiphar's house. Given a tremendous amount of authority. And then things turn south. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him or she makes advances to him and he resists. And the next thing you know, she lies about it. And what happens to him? Goes to prison. Spends two years in prison. And then finally, gets out of prison, and as you know, rises to be governor over the land of Egypt. Second in command, having interpreted a dream of Pharaoh. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the story. Many of you know the story. If you don't, go back and read it. But I want you to look for a minute or two at the life of Joseph. And you think about, okay, here is a 17-year-old teenager. I have no doubt he never envisioned himself one day being in Egypt, separated from his father, separated from his family. Never entered his mind. Never thought about being in prison. But that's where he found himself. So you look at the life of Joseph, and you start thinking about, okay, what was his reaction to the difficulties in life? And I think that there are some scriptures that maybe lend insight into how he reacted to an unfavorable series of events in his life. So I want to look at it, first of all, from the vantage point of negatively, and then we're going to talk about it from a positive standpoint. I think there's some application for us today. Because as you think about life, and as, as life unfolds, what were your plans 20 years ago? What are your plans now? Are you where you thought you would be? If not, how are you dealing with it? So first and foremost, when I look at the life of Joseph, I would say this. When life doesn't go as planned, don't let your faith falter. It would have been easy for Joseph to have abandoned his faith in God, wouldn't it? And yet, here he is separated from his family, from the father that loved him immensely, and yet one of the things that just stands out is his faith in God. The fact that he resisted temptation or overtures. Why? Because he was a man of faith, wasn't he? And you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, we talk about all those great people of faith. People who live by faith and obedience to the will of God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, did you know one of the most overlooked individuals in that chapter, a fellow by the name of Joseph. What does that say about his faith in God? The psalmist in Psalm 34 said many years ago, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Then he said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. I don't necessarily know where life's going. 
I have no idea how my life's going to play out. And in many, in many cases, neither do you. We make plans, but we understand those plans are subject to alteration, aren't they? It may be we choose to alter the plan. It may be something else alters the plan altogether. But we can't afford to allow our faith to falter. Now you think about Solomon in Proverbs chapter 3. Solomon said many years ago, Trust in the Lord, listen to him, with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He will direct your steps or direct your path. When you go back and you look at the life of Joseph, the one word that stands out to me is providence. God is at work in His life. We don't have the luxury of looking behind the glass, so to speak, and seeing things as God does, but God is behind the scenes, and in the case of Joseph, what's he doing? He's at work, isn't he? So number one, don't let your faith falter. Number two, don't bow to bitterness. Now you read the story of Joseph. I would encourage you to read chapter 37, then pick up in chapter 39, and read through chapter 50. And tell me if one time you read of one harsh thought, one bitter statement, one angry word, if you see any hint at bitterness or hatred in the life of Joseph. You know why you don't see it? Because it wasn't there. Don't bow to bitterness. Sometimes when life doesn't go as planned, we can become bitter and angry. I told somebody the other day, and I mean this, I do not want to become a bitter, angry old man. I really don't. Life doesn't always go as planned. Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Listen to him. He's talking about the new person in Christ. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In verse 32, here's what he said, and be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Could Joseph have allowed the situation that he was faced with, could he have allowed that to make him a bitter, angry, hateful person? Without question. And let me tell you what, as people who comprise the human family, it is easy to allow our feelings to get the best of us and to become bitter. Bitter at our predicament. Bitter possibly at the people that have caused our predicament. Who sold him out? 
His brothers did, didn't they? And yet you read the record, no harsh words, no bitterness, no anger. Says a lot about him, doesn't it? So don't bow to bitterness. And then there is a third thing that I would suggest to you. And that is, don't be defeated by despair. It is so easy when overwhelmed by certain circumstances in life to fall into despair, isn't it? Paul, look at the life of Paul. And Paul faced a lot of ups and downs in life, as did Joseph. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said in chapter 4, he said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. There may be things in life that maybe we don't necessarily understand. It might be that where you are in life right now, the complexity of the situation is such that you really don't have an answer. And maybe it is you don't necessarily know where things are going. But Paul said, look, I may be perplexed, but I am not in despair. Sometimes we become people of despair, don't we? And despair leads to what? Discouragement. We become disheartened. And then there are occasions in life when we become depressed. It's part of life. So again, you look at the life of Joseph, and you see somebody who did not allow despair to creep into his life, wasn't defeated by it. Now, on the positive side of the ledger, there are some things that I think that stand out that help us to navigate our way through difficult, life, through difficult waters in life. Number one, I want to encourage all of us, when life doesn't go as planned, number one, practice the presence of the Lord. Now, I want to call your attention to something. Look at chapter 39 very quickly. In chapter 39, Joseph is in Egypt. He's, he's serving Potiphar. He is the steward of his house. In verse 2, listen to what Listen to what the Bible says. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So right there you get insight into the fact that Joseph is in Egypt. He's separated from his father. He's separated from family members. But he's not alone, is he? He's all alone in one sense, but in the other sense of the word, he's not alone at all, is he? Drop down, look at verse 21. This is after Joseph. This is after the circumstances in Potiphar's house turned negative. He's going to prison. He's in prison. And the text says in verse 21, The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. 
Look at verse 23. The text says in verse 23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's hand because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. What then can I take from that? Wherever we are, whatever valley we're in, whatever difficult, difficult circumstance we're facing in life, the Lord is with us, is He not? The same God that Joseph served is the God we serve today, isn't it? And didn't God say in the long ago, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You mean to tell me we can take that to the bank? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That is a promise of God, isn't it? Didn't God, say, didn't God say to Joshua in the long ago, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go? All right, let's just say you're traveling down the road, life takes an unexpected turn, and you find yourself in uncharted territory. You didn't plan for this. You didn't think about this. But you're not out here alone, are you? No, God's with you. So to learn to practice the presence of of the Lord. Number two, number two, remember to cast your cares on the Lord. There are certain verses, and I was thinking about this yesterday, there are certain verses that I have emphasized and emphasized and again emphasized. And one of the reasons is because I think these verses are incredibly important. David wrote many years ago in Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord. And what will He do? The Bible says He will sustain you. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 7, he talked about the need for humility in life, and then he said, casting all your cares, A-L-L, all your cares on Him, and the reason is, he said, because He cares for you. There are certain things that I do every day. For example, I never leave my house without my billfold, ever, ever. It is a part of my life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 should never be far from you in life. I'm telling you, you're going to face uncharted territory in life. You're going to find yourself out on choppy water sometime. And you're going to have the need, whether today, tomorrow, next month, next year, there's coming a time when you're going to need to think about where Joseph was in his life. And you need to remember to cast your cares on the Lord because He cares for you. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Another go-to passage. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we are, to, we are instructed to draw near unto the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now I want to ask you something about Joseph. When he ended up down in Egypt, and then when things turned south again, he ends up in prison. Look at the life of Joseph. Do you not think over the course of all of those years, 
but he was leaning heavily upon God. But he was casting his cares on Almighty God. I think the answer is yes. There's a third thing I would share with you. The third thought that I would leave with you today is remember the wisdom of waiting on the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, the writer there encourages people to wait on the Lord. From that word, wait. From that word is the idea of a piece of thread or a rope. And you think about how a rope is intertwined with pieces of thread. And that rope has a lot of strength, doesn't it? Isaiah in the long ago was talking about waiting on the Lord. And I think what he's saying, he says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Did you know eagles have the ability to soar, as some have said, to heights of some 10,000 feet? So the idea is stepping back. To wait on the Lord, to see how this thing's going to work out, to have confidence in God, to expect that God is involved in the affairs of life, in the affairs of my life, in the affairs of your life. He was involved in the affairs of Joseph, wasn't he? Let me show you how that came to pass. Look over in chapter 45 very quickly. Look at chapter 45. You remember after Joseph's brothers came down to Egypt to buy grain, they went back home and then they had to come back again because the grain was gone. Twenty-two years have now passed from the time Joseph was sold out by his brothers. Twenty-two long, hard years have passed. And the text tells us that Joseph could no longer restrain himself. Verse 2 says he wept aloud. Verse 3, listen to what Joseph said to his brothers. Initially, he recognized them. They didn't recognize him. He had on his Egyptian regalia, so to speak. They didn't know who he was, but he knew who they were. And so he said, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in, in his presence. And then Joseph says to his brothers, now think about it, he is second in command, isn't he? Governor over Egypt. He had a lot of power, didn't he? But he said, please come near to me. And then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. They've been bearing this thing for 22 long, long years, haven't they? You think about the guilt of knowing that they had sold that boy out. Probably thought, we'll never see him again. He's out of our lives. Told their father, portrayed it as if he were dead. And then, look at verse 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. 
for God sent me before you to preserve life. Look down, if you would, verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. Very quickly, turn over to chapter 50 now. You remember the text tells us that Joseph sent for his father, and they were able to reunite and relocate in the land of Goshen, where they became ultimately a great nation of people. All of that was by God's design, wasn't it? So here is God orchestrating all of this. And you think about into whose hands did God place this tremendous responsibility? Laid it upon the back of a 17-year-old teenage boy. 22 years have passed. 39 years of age, and now he is second in command. We come to chapter 50, and his father dies. His brothers, however, they're fearful. Because in their minds, they're thinking, you know what? Our dad's gone. It's payday. He's going to take it out on us. But look at what the text says. They sent messengers to Joseph, verse 16. And they said, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. You know what that says to me? Joseph, he wasn't like the world, was he? You know, in their mind, it's, Settle the score. Not how God, or rather not how Joseph operated. And so listen to what Joseph said. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. The wisdom of waiting on the Lord. Do you not think that over the course of time, Joseph learned something about waiting on the Lord? Let's see how God operates. I don't know necessarily where you are in your life. I don't know if you're in uncharted territory right now or not. It might be that in your life things haven't gone as planned. But my encouragement to you don't give up. Go back and read the story of Joseph and remind yourself of divine truths that got him through some tough places in life. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for your great love for us. And we're thankful for the fact that you are alive and at work in our lives. And Father, we pray that when we face unexpected plans in this life or unexpected problems in this life, and when life doesn't necessarily go as planned, we pray that you would help us to maintain our faith in you. 
May we remember that you're always at our side. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ. Life can be tough, life can be cruel. But to know that you can go through life with the Lord at your side, that's a great blessing. So what would you need to do to become a child of God? Well, number one, you need to believe Jesus is the Son of God. That's what He said, John 8, verse 24. You need to be willing to repent of your sins. That is, turn away from a life of sin, as Peter said on Pentecost Day in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And then to do as the eunuch did, to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then to be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away. Acts 22, 16. Let God put you in the church and live for Him day in and day out. If you're here today and maybe your life is off track, you need the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. The reason is because we're family, aren't we? And so if you need the prayers of this church, we beg you to come as we stand and sing.